0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Welcome, everybody, to the Inferno podcast. It's focused on the Suns. I'm here with our co-hosts. Cedric Sabalas and Patrick Batillo, a.k.a. Mr. Orange, a Sun super fan. I'm Dana Scott, and we just wanted to say happy holidays to everybody. Happy, hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. But first, I had to ask Cedric, before we get into the Sun stuff, this great song from 1994. I be- Dana Barrow, Cedric Sabalas. Diamond D, uh, uh. Grand Puba, AG of Showbiz and AG, and Sadat X, okay? This is definitely one of the best songs that I've heard, a, a basketball song from that era. And Cedric had a dope verse. Dana had his own uh, footing in the hip-hop industry at the time as he was with the Supersonics before he got, I believe, or he might have been with the Philadelphia Sixers.
0: Yeah. He was a Philly, yeah. Yeah. So you you had the closing verse I think, right? Yeah, you know it's crazy we were mastering the album. Uh yeah. that was just a, a throw in extra song. Uh I think D had just put that beat on while we were mastering and uh Dana Dana drove up from Philly. I was in New York. It was at the Hit Factory. And um I don't know I don't know where Grand Puba, uh got involved. And how he got involved with it. Uh, but they was like, Let's, y'all wanna drop this? You know, I, if it turns out all right, we're gonna put it on the album. Sony was like, if it turns out all right, we're gonna put it on the album. And uh, you know, we took about an hour or two to write it and you know, came up with that. Yeah, the song's called
1: uh, You Don't Stop. And yeah. I think it was on the NBA player compilation album with Jason Basketball. Kidd. Basketball's
0: yeah. best kept secret.
1: Right, right. And that was also a playoff of uh, Diamond D's hit from the year prior, Best Kept Secret, off his classic album, Stunts, Blunts, and Hip Hop, uh, that was released in 92. And Anthony Mason, rest in peace, he was in that video for Best Kept Secret too. So, But the great thing about that brand newbie and lineup – um, for my own family, my uncle, John Scott, is a former road manager of Brand Newbie, And the One For All album was definitely one of my all-time favorite albums. And it did a lot for me, uh, for my understanding of uh, Black history and pride and how to be stylish and not just be too
0: preachy at the same time. And it was a different time in hip-hop, really different time. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, you know, a lot of courage, a lot of information uh driven uh, you know it's crazy uh, what, that's one of my top five from front to back start to finish albums and when i say it's two albums that i say i say that album and uh what the album by Redman. And and yeah. oh my god i forgot about that and they because you know because they don't consider those two or that group the their top 10 hip-hop or their top five hip-hop uh lyricists or or, 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 rhymers, uh, so to speak, so they forget about those albums, but from top to bottom, man, that, those albums are sick,
1: yeah, man. 1982, 30 years ago, actually, the landmark year for you because you won the slam dunk contest that year with the blindfold. Right. Uh, did you see through that at all? I don't
0: know, not at all, not at all.
1: Okay, <laughs> yeah.
2: that, would, that would have taken away
1: from how amazing it was. <laughs> I mean, still, the timing of that dunk, too, man. I was like, you had to get your steps down, you definitely practiced that. It was one of the early. Dunks were all
0: pure luck. Like, all pure luck. All pure. But let's let me state that I already won the dunk contest before I did that. So don't think that Yeah, all, you did. Okay. All right. Because I think Tim Perry was actually the, Oh, kind of, don't do that to me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Tim Tim is my guy, teammates with yeah. at one point, but don't don't say I, you know, i beat Tim Perry. So that's how I won. It was Larry Johnson, your grandma, you know, I beat Sean Kemp. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nick Anderson, Stacey Augman, uh, John Stark. So it was a nice little lineup that, that I went through. So it's
1: crazy that Sean Kemp to this day has never won a NBA Slam Dunk contest. You it's know,
0: crazy. It, right. it, you, you know what? You know what else, too? I was doing my homework digging. Uh, Sean has never averaged more than 20 points a game. Really, it's, it's a trip. I, I, I was stunned when I read that. I was like, I can't believe that. Rain,
1: Rain I mean, Man never averaged more than 20, never averaged more than 20. You know, the thing about Rain Man is that he just didn't have to have, he was a skilled player, but he didn't have to have many skills because he could jump so high. Like, I just remember seeing him in the 94 World Championships right. that he could just be under the hoop with five guys around him, and he could just jump and rise up over them and just
0: banging on them. Yeah, man, he got a lot of talent, especially at a young age coming out of Indiana, man. Just I remember the first time he hit California, he hit L.A., and uh, it just, the fact that you, the way he jumped, the way he moved and his size was just just unheard of. I mean, we had John, we, we have seen John Williams before. Yeah. Uh, Crenshaw High School, you know, LSU, uh, his his league play, but Sean Kent was just, un, you know, at that height to be able to move and jump and, and be so athletic to, at the size that he was, was ridiculous. 6'10", and he never averaged than twenty
1: Back then, averaging 20 was, you were an elite, but now, Dudes can average 20, and, and, and it can be called a quiet night
0: now in today's NBA. That's the difference. They changed the rules. They sped it up a little bit, so that's why you got more points than you. You know, you're scoring now. That three-point line is is such a dangerous weapon, so people attack that three-point line, and, uh, you know, they want to see a up-tip game. Those old-school games where you slow down, ground and pound, uh, those are days of the past. Sure. Well, our first topic about the Suns that we'll get into is the MVP
1: conversation. Devin Booker has been playing lights out per usual. He's in year eight. But I see on social media and um, uh, I saw on ESPN yesterday the top four shortest odds uh, getters for the MVP voting uh, or the MVP uh, winners if they were to be drawn today. Um, It was... Uh number 1 was Jason Tatum and second was Luka Doncic. Third was Giannis Antetokounmpo, fourth was Steph Curry. Why is Devin Booker not in that conversation in your opinion?
2: We'll start with Patrick. You know, this is something we've talked about, you know, for years with Devin Booker, specifically about the All Star, right? And is he an All Star? Is there a conversation about that? You know, the the last two years specifically, and how uh, he didn't, you know, get the recognition he deserved. And I think this just continues. I honestly believe at this point for in the season, it's an expectation piece, right? It's like they expect the Suns to be who they are. Uh, I think it's he's taken for granted a lot. And um, because of that, you know, they look at, you know, obviously, you can't Tatum is is playing lights out as well. So his name being in that that category uh, is not surprising to me. But to not have Devin Booker, when you look at uh, Luca, obviously, he brings a lot for his team as well. And so uh, it's and to me, a lot of it has to do with just media and, and the hype that that surrounds that, as opposed to, you know, who's actually adding that value for the team. Um, for me, MVP, you know, it really should focus in on, you know, most valuable to their team. And so when you look at that, would the sons have the record that they have right now with uh, not having Chris Paul, not having cam Johnson. And then if you take Devin Booker out of that mix or replace either of those two with Devin Booker, it, are we still the same team? We are with the same record. And I, I, Believe that answer is no, uh, wholeheartedly, and because of that, he should be considered. And that's from an unbiased perspective. It, it's not that other guys aren't deserving, but I think that, for me, is where that that piece gets missed, uh, especially early on when we're talking about you know who who are those candidates, like you alluded to. And so that that's what I believe is is why he's not even getting that recognition at this point. Yeah,
1: let me source where the odds came from on ESPN that they posted yesterday, uh, Thursday. Uh, the uh, December 1st, it was Caesar's sports book. And so Devin has to fight his way again, it seems this season, like he did last year towards the end where he was fourth in MVP voting and was first team All-NBA. Cedric, what's your take on why Devin Booker
0: has to fight his way up to those odds? Those are great points. Uh, I think the biggest thing is uh, ball possession. Uh, if you look at Luca the offense Mavericks, they go through Luka every time. Uh, Giannis obviously goes through, even though he's a center, or a power forward, whatever you want to put him, you know, he's more likely to point guard uh, in that situation. And obviously, Steph is a point guard in Golden State. Um, and, and then Tatum, you know, the offense has kind of ran, ran through him, mm-hmm. uh, pick and roll and all of that stuff. I, uh, you know, it's tough because Aiden is playing so well too. Uh, that You know, the dynamic duel is kind of just – Putting themselves in both in uh, All Star ability, but I think that's just what it is, and then all the the intangibles. You know, uh, Giannis is is rebounding, Steph's assists, Lucas assists, uh, Tatum's. You know, they're putting up triple doubles. Uh, you know, the, on the defensive end, uh, I think Booker is just starting to put his stamp on his defensive uh, abilities on, on on getting technical fouls. Getting more respect from the league as a defender, and and it may take some time, uh, obviously. But then, and then, Devin is not a freak. Uh, you know, no pun towards uh, Giannis. Right. Uh, he's not doing freakishy uh, things with his size and his his ability. You know, Tatum six eight six ten, Giannis six ten seven foot, 6'8", uh, six eight six ten at the point position. You know, you look at all those players; they're doing things that. They, Body type wise, they shouldn't be doing, uh, and 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 Devin being a, a true two, a two guard shooter, uh, scorer, doing exactly what he, you know, his body kind of demands him to do. But I think it, you know when it comes to most valuable player of the league, I, I think it's really you know, uh, I think it goes into ticket sales and media attention. Yeah, uh, you know when 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 Luca comes to town, you know they sell it out. When Giannis comes to town, they're selling out. Golden State, Steph, they're selling out. You got to get to a point where, you know, when Devin comes to town, that that's a, a a specialty ticket, that, you know, that that's a high-end ticket. It's not your normal, you know, uh, sort of, I don't even know if they have scalpers anymore. <laughs> yeah, they do.
2: Oh, they're <laughs> out there. Yeah, they're, no, they're
0: definitely out there. They're going, hey, Devin Booker's coming to town. I'm going to put two, three extra hundred on this ticket because Devin Booker's in town. And I think that's just going to take some time. Uh, and it's also take some uh, some contributions uh, in the win columns and 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 to, towards the playoffs. Right. The, from further context,
1: the Suns are 15 and six as of Friday, December second, and Devin Booker scored ten straight field goals from the end of the second quarter into the third, and he got his 51st point on that steal and dunk um, at the other night on Wednesday. So Wednesday night there was a big debate on who had the bigger night. Was it Zion with his 33 points, 10 rebounds, uh, you know, five assists and four steals? Jason Tatum with 49 points and Booker, who had 51 within three quarters and he didn't even play the fourth. And then Tatum's, num- uh, his odds got shorter and he got to number one, was likeliest to get MVP if he were to have the voting right now. Uh, that basically, this 49-point performance shot Tatum up so it's like you would think that 51 points within three quarters would shoot Devin up maybe he's fifth I don't see that but I see all these memes or questions on Twitter about who would you have a part of your starting five and uh, for the West uh, they didn't even have Devin as part of that starting five and I'm just thinking to myself who would not want to have Devin Booker? I feel like the players in the NBA fraternity would love to have him, but the average fan in the NBA are still trying to learn about Devin Booker and not even in the conversation. And, and Tatum's a first-team All-NBA uh, player as a, the first time in his career last season as Booker was too. But do you think that's because the Celtics are a historic franchise and the Celtics being a number one Uh, record in the league is is helpful to him? Is that why?
0: It it can be helpful being that that franchise is so historical. Uh, But again, you know, those four that are ahead of him, uh, I I still say, you know, and Patrick, you could jump in on this. The body type, Devin is uh, his body type is four or two position. Steph is a tiny overachiever, so to speak. He's a tiny little individual that shoots uh, unbelievable great ball handling skills has the ball a lot more uh, than Devin Booker has a uh, lot more trick shots a lot more fantastic get yourself out of your seats uh it's, it's kind of the debate that I used to have with Shaquille O'Neal all the time like Shaq you're not going to outsell sneakers with Allen Iverson he's like you're talking about man my shoes are this that and the other I said Allen is six foot it's a billion trillion people who are six foot tall who think they can be Allen Iverson? Right. It's not too many people walk around like I can be Shaquille O'Neal. No, you can't. It's not possible. You can't be seven foot, three hundred pound, dominant person like that. So obviously they want to be, and that's why Michael sells how many shoes he sells because you know people think they can be six four, six five, and and fly through the air if they put these shoes on. So yeah. I think it's just you know, like I said, Luka being six eight, six ten, uh, being the point, uh, Giannis seven footer, and 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 Tatum being the six eight, six ten guy you know, handling the ball as much as he does. I think that's just what it is. People, you know, as fans look at him uh, as just that, you know, playing the position that his body type is. And he doesn't do the unbelievable craziness uh, that Giannis and and Luca are doing. Fair point, because I remember in 94
1: when Shaq was in his second year in the league, he had his Shaq clothing line, through Reebok, his sneakers, and it's basically easier to sell Jordans than to sell Shaq shoes when the guy has a size 22 foot. Right. And not to say everyone's got a size 22, but the center really hasn't sold shoes since maybe Kareem's top tens. Ooh, that was the first $100 shoe right there. <laughs> right. And that was in like, what, 1980, the yeah. Adidas? Yeah. Yeah. So we segue into our next point about NBA's dynamic duos. Devin Booker and Aiden are, my opinion, the best NBA duo right now. Not to say in the league overall, like through the season, but right now that you see how the Suns have cleaned up all the NBA's awards for the West Coast, the Western Conference. They got Aiden as the winner of the reigning uh, Western Conference Player of the Week for the first time in his career. Devin Booker won Western Conference Player of the Month yesterday. And Monty Williams got Western Conference uh, Coach of the Month for October and November. So the fact that Aiden and Booker are playing so well and Booker had his 51-point night and Aiden had his 30-point night, which is his season high, with 14 rebounds, and he had a career-high previous game of 21 rebounds and 29 points. Uh, what other NBA duos can match up against Booker in terms of and Aiden as the best duos in the league right now? Patrick, you can go first.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, so again, uh, love, love Booker, love Aiden and the Suns, but I, I need more consistency and I need to see this sustained uh, with the DeAndre and peace for me. So it's great to see. I don't think anyone of us and and any Suns fan for that matter. Uh, didn't think that DeAndre could play to this potential, Uh, but now it's seeing it day in and day out. And is this going to sustain? Is it going to continue? So for me, if that, Takes place and and continues to evolve. Then I believe so. But uh, for me, it's just too early um, to to not have had that consistency with Aiden. Uh, matchups are a big deal, right? So any matchup where it, it's so crazy to me with Aiden because when there's matchups like the other night right, against Chicago, when he has another guy his size or bigger or stronger, it seems like he performs in those settings. And when we have games where he should be dominating inside. Uh, because of the matchup is to his advantage he doesn't and so for me I need to see that piece of consistency before I'm I'm going to go out on the limb and say yeah you know this is the the dynamic duo of, of the NBA okay
1: okay yeah what but also against the Bulls it has Zach Levine and uh, they had DeMar DeRozan who had 29 points the other night it's just that it was just masked by Booker's 51 Uh, And DeMar had a great game shooting, but there's also Jamal Murray and Jokic playing well together and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And there's other guys around the league, uh, the other teams around the league that have dynamic duos, uh, LeBron and A.D. Anthony Davis is actually playing some of the best basketball that he's played in a long time because he's healthy and LeBron's back and he's playing well. So that's a given.
0: Said, who do you think uh, is part of that conversation for duos? Man, my dark horse, you know, You got to go up to Sacramento with the uh, young point guard. I can't remember his name right now. And Mar De'Aaron Fox, De'Aaron Fox. Uh, you know that combination of that pick and roll at the top uh, of the three point line is very dangerous because Sabonis is such a roller and he can stop and pop it as well as take the ball and finish to the basket. But the biggest thing is the fact that um, I think De'Aaron has had uh, a lack of confidence and and whoever set in that pick before to where he had to almost Score and out of double teams all the time, or kick it to somebody, uh, one of the shooters in the corner. Uh, you know, uh, Coach Brown has got that team really confident. Uh, you know, obviously it's been a long drought—seventeen plus, I think, years since they've been in the playoffs. Uh, it just was a matter of of getting a young core group of uh, of young guys together that trust each other and, and say, "Hey, it's not a lot of stuff to do up in here, and we may not be the most entertaining uh, NBA team in California, but." Uh, if we go back to those old ways and a great move uh putting Doug Christie uh on his bench uh right. who part of that you know Chris Weber uh Mike bibby you know uh, Vlade's, uh Star- Bobby Jackson Bobby yeah. Jackson you know all of that, uh, that that's a great uh a great nucleus of guys and I think they're starting to get that back uh sometimes when you have uh young guys who have been drafted it, it's tough to get that combination because they're all trying to get their own mark in the league. And I think once you settle everybody down with contracts, so to speak, De'Andre Ayton, uh, that's when you start to get effective on, okay, now I got my money. Now let's see how much damage I can do. And I think that's the biggest thing. Now, will it change? Yes, obviously it'll change, Patrick, because uh, you know obviously Johnson will be coming back. Chris Paul will have the ball a lot more uh, than Payne has had. Uh, it'll slow, the, the game will slow down a little bit. It'll also speed up at some moments. And DeAndre might not be getting the touches that he's getting now because of those, uh, you know, uh, uh, everybody else is playing off of uh, – they'll be playing off of Chris Paul. They'll be playing off of the the two slashers and Bridges and Johnson a little bit later. But uh, right now it's tough uh, one-two punch. Even in Boston, it, it, they have a one-two punch, but they're not really playing together. They're not having a, a Brown Tatum pick and roll yeah. uh, a type of situation just like, you know. Uh, you know Monty's throwing this offense uh, uh, in the loop. Like, what are you going to do with well, a guy who's pulling up on a dime? Like Devin is, is in the zone right now, and right. then also a guy that's rolling, that's seven foot, who was patient. Uh, that's the bigger word when it comes to Andre in and the paint. He's patient enough to just wait for all the slapping hands to move by, so he just waits till those hands to go by and he lays balls up and, and has a, a great touch around the rim. Yeah,
1: another and, duo. I remember uh, I got to point to the my Hawks. Uh, jersey behind me, yeah, my wife's Hawks jersey, I should say. That you know, Dejounte Murray and Trey Young actually were playing very well together in that back court. You know, they got two all stars and Dejounte. Uh, even though they're ten, uh, 12 and ten right now, the the Hawks actually look good early. And Dejounte being a more defensive player uh, that doesn't need to have the ball to impact the game, but even though he can score, he fits right in with Nate McMillan in that defensive. Mindset that Nate brings to the table. Uh, Mitchell Nate, Cleveland too.
2: Yeah, that, that was what I was just going to say. Yeah, yeah.
1: Cleveland too. Go ahead, Patrick. Sorry.
2: No, no, that, that's it. I realized I didn't answer the question. I just talked about how I still want to see more, but uh, Mitchell, Mitchell and Garland uh, for Cleveland. You know, that, that's that's definitely one that you know I wasn't expecting that, and so they've they've looked good this year. So that's going to be another duo you know to keep an eye on as the season progresses.
0: And we also have slept. I mean, even though they dropped off a little bit in Utah, they started out on fire. You know, what yeah. Clarkson and those guys have done since Donovan has moved to Cleveland, uh, just open it up and, and uh, to a point where everybody, every man has to take care of their job themselves in Utah. And uh, hopefully that change that Danny Ainge is, is spreading up there will get contagious and they'll regain that uh, positive attitude like they started out the the, the, uh, the season with. Yeah, the Jazz kind of
1: reminded me of the way the Wizards started last season. Uh, the Wizards started hot and then it kind of tapered off a little bit, but – The thing is about the Jazz is they feel – they look like the old Jazz in which there are no superstar players, even though Stockton Malone were their perennial all-stars. Whoa, whoa. (laughs) They weren't super-duper stars, though. I mean, you weren't having – you weren't buying John Stockton gear, especially with his short shorts the way they were, right? I mean, and Carl Malone, yeah, he's the number three all-time on the scoring list because he played for so many years, but – Malone was not like a guy that somebody was had that same transcendent uh a uh, basketball type of uh aura like Allen Iverson or Jordan as you
0: you know uh, said earlier. spoken from a man who has never came off of Stockton the Malone pick and roll <laughs> those two the most date that I'm telling you a very dangerous weapon I mean obviously uh media wise because they were in Utah they, they you know, Stockton is not gonna have his own sneaker, uh, you know, just the way it is. It might be a uh Brooks Brothers suit or something, but other than that, uh, but that those two, you know, are so underrated on what they've been. I mean, all time leading assists, all time leading scores, uh, probably the the most wins by a duo than any two put together. You might have to look that up somewhere, but sure. Very dangerous, very effective. Uh it's just, you know, sometimes it's just the luck of the draw. I mean, it's 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 really weird. Uh, it, it took a special guy like LeBron James to bring bring a non media town to this forefront, you know, with Cleveland. You know. Because, yeah. you know, before Price and Darty and, and Williams, they were killing it up in Cleveland Harper, but just could not, you know, take it over the hump. But a guy like that, and you know, you usually think that it just doesn't do it in that in that media of a town, big big media of a town, a, a small media of a town is Cleveland. Yeah, Bill and
1: Doug's and Harmony did more for Cleveland than the Cavs did, season, right? <laughs> yeah. Ohio players or something. Ohio know. players, yeah, there you go. Yeah, were they from Dayton? I think they were from Dayton. Arsenio Hall, somebody. Arsenio's, yeah, Don King, you know, <laughs> him too. But next point about the uh, 50 points. You scored 50 before in 94 when you went and got traded to the Lakers from the Suns. So what is it like when you get in that zone? Is it like... The, the the coach feeds you the ball and says everyone get out the way because you're just feeling it? Or is it just that the defense is just basically at your mercy and you can do whatever you feel like everything is just you know flowing at that point?
0: Yeah, there's different ways and different feelings. But for me, you know, I, I was never a guy who got any plays, even when I was getting 50. You know, they, they didn't say, hey, let's run. Said curl with the double curl and get the ball. Said it was just the flow of the game, and I think that's um, I don't think anybody to this day or in the past have done that, you know, with you know, a guy getting 50 who doesn't you know, uh, have any plays or uh, is, is the focus of the offense. I wasn't the focus of the offense at all, uh, so I don't know, like, when you know, when you're shooting the way Devin has been shooting when he got 51. I don't know that type of feeling. Like, okay, I I know my number is getting called. You know, I, 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 I've already scored four or five times this way. I got to try to figure out another way because he's going to try to stop me going left, or he's going to try to stop me from spinning back. Uh, Mine was just off of, you know, and that's a different type of feeling that you just get going. And uh, you know, it's funny because you're watching, you know, you're watching some of the great players score crazy. Crazy numbers, Michael Kobe, braun, you know, I can go on and on and and the eighty you know the eighty one that Kobe scored uh you know most of it wasn't was a blowout right. you know not not him blowing the raptors out, the raptors were blowing him out at first, and then he got upset that they were getting blown out, and then he kicked it in like I gotta do it myself, and then when he did it himself, he's up twenty, and then it's- you know what I'm saying, so that's a different. It, those are two different emotions right there. It's one, like, uh, we're playing like crap. What do I – I got to do something to get us back in the game. And then when you get them back in the game, you're like, wait a minute. I'm on fire a little bit. Matter of fact, I'm more than on fire. And uh, now you got two or three guys hanging on you, trying to stop you from getting 50 and then 60 and then 70. And then it's it's getting kind of ridiculous after that. But Yeah. Uh, you know i I can remember you know what i ate i can remember i had a good nap i remember the way going to the form i can remember that holding like it's like it was yesterday so when you get into that feeling um and and that was the most i scored in the nba game but 78 was the most i scored in the game and that you just in my my so to speak it was just the flow of the game i didn't really have to you know, coaches didn't have to call plays or, you know, it's just the floor of the game. And then people are going like, man, dude's got 50. Dude's got 60. Dude's got 70. And it just it just kind of just rolls with it. Sure. You know, and our last uh,
1: topic before we get uh, off uh, this podcast of episode 18 is about Chris Paul. Uh, He's not about the Kanye West or Yay thing because uh, that is just crazy, right? But <laughs> with the fact that campaign is playing so well, do you feel that Chris Paul will have time to come back? They don't need him right now, it seems. That campaign playing so well is buying Chris Paul more time and his advanced age, NBA age, at soon to be 38, that he can come back after the new year. Patrick, we can start with you.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I'm a fan of making sure he's healed fully. And then from there, you know, Playing him as he needs to be played, so taking so much time off, uh, said could probably speak to this more. Obviously, is not healthy as well, right? Being away from it and then coming back, you're you're going to be prone to injuries in that regard. So I think it, to me, as a as a head coach, I would be comfortable allowing. You know him to heal recover and then from there it's giving him just meaningful minutes right it's going to change as said alluded to when he is back and and everything's going to shift and that includes cam's rhythm a uh, campaign rhythm you know and and how that all facilitates so it's also a challenge for Monty you know it's it's a blessing now because we're able to be successful you get to see these other guys step up they're getting that experience now when it matters so that when you have playoffs it's it's already there and chemistry' there for pieces that are different when it's not Chris Paul so there's advantage. Advantages and disadvantages but I think ultimately it's do what is best for his health with the medical professionals both from how much he plays when he plays and how much he's off and so to me I think this just gives uh, the sons that much more uh, latitude and grace to be able to navigate that the best way as opposed to okay we're not winning we're struggling we need to have Chris in there more or longer or more often than we would ideally want uh, from a health perspective said
0: well yeah it's funny because. Um... Before the Chicago Bulls game, I had a conversation with uh, the Hall of Famer Mo Cheeks about Cameron Payne's process of of his growth, because he was in Oklahoma City when Cam was there and and said that Cam has come a long way from the silliness and dancing and just always goofing around. I mean, he still goofs around to me uh, a little bit too much, but uh, he's calmed down and understands uh, uh, the rhythm of the game a lot better. And... I think the biggest focus is that, and I said this before, is that second and third quarter is so important uh, to Chris Paul, especially when they were making a run at the finals, uh, because it gives him an opportunity to not only get, get some very important rest, but also to focus in and start pinpointing where he needs to, you know, take games over and where he can get his spots, uh, because obviously he's an excellent uh, fourth quarter uh performers talking about Chris Paul here. So I think it's so important for campaign to, to to make sure that second and third quarter is very productive. It doesn't have a slump. Uh, it keeps the energy of the team going. Uh, and, and he's been doing that. Now when Chris Paul comes back, obviously the age I thought last year, um, was a big factor on being eliminated by the Mavericks, uh, after going to the finals the year before, which is Chris Paul's furthest he's ever been in the playoffs. Um, and then coming back and, you know, uh, not getting his usual rest, and conditioning in the summertime, uh, he just was worn out. I thought he was just worn out. Uh, and and he's, he had to train and put his body in a different position. Uh, so I think this is good for him. Um, on the other hand, not not playing is tough because you, you have to learn how to sleep after ball games. You have to learn how to uh, recover after back-to-backs. Mm. Uh, and you can't really do that by, you know, just rehabbing and maybe – going half speed during practice. You have to have that intensity of a game of referees, of popcorn, of fans, of cameras, and all, all that, and something on the line to get your juices flowing. Because um, it's too late in the season, you know, you're going to get a point to where not only does it change your dynamic of your team, but uh, it also changes the hungerness that you have uh, from battling all uh, season long to get to a point where the playoffs mean so much. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Great way to end the pod and uh, appreciate you all
1: listening. And also to expand on your point, uh, about 50, you get into the line, uh, it's basically scoring when the clock's not moving. So that helps too. So <laughs> well, thank you all for listening to episode 18 and uh, looking into the rocket sun's game Friday night. We'll see you guys there. If you're in attendance at footprint center and episode 19, will go soon. Peace y'all.